up, everybody, and welcome in to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action now here for a rare solo show on a Friday afternoon, November 20th, 2020. We are four days away from round two of Sports Jeopardy. If you want to catch that live, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to want to miss out. Make sure you are following my Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. It'll be on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube Tuesday night, November 24th at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.15 Central Time. I will be competing against Chase Beebe. Again, we did Sports Jeopardy back in May. It was a lot of fun. I won, so I'm going to try to defend my title Defend my crown. And Anthony Franz, our friend who's been on this podcast now a couple of times and hosted our last Sports Jeopardy, he will be hosting once again. So it's always fun when I have an episode such as Sports Jeopardy where I don't have to do a whole lot of prep. I can just show up and wing it a little bit. (laughs) I'll still have to edit a little bit. But if you want to watch that live, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Go to youtube.com slash Jack Vita and my Twitter at Jack Vita Show. It will be live on all those platforms. You're not going to want to miss out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And maybe, hey, if you think you have what it takes to take me down at Sports Jeopardy, if I do indeed win this one, I, I don't know if I'm going to again. I'm decently confident based on last time, but hey, I'm going up against Chase Beebe, who was on the show last week, and Nathan Santo Domingo, one of Anthony's fellow meteorologists at his news station. So I'm going to have my work cut out for me, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And that episode will also be in this podcast feed. So make sure you are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever it is that you listen to this podcast on. Subscribe so you will not miss out on Sports Jeopardy or my NFL slash college football recap for the week. In addition to that, we have another bracket coming out. I know a lot of you enjoyed the kids show bracket from the 2000s that we did a couple months back. The winning show ended up being SpongeBob. Well, it's time to get seasonal friends. We are going to do a Christmas slash holiday movie bracket. So you guys are going to be able to vote. That will begin on December 1st. And that will be taking place on my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages as well. So if you want more on that, I'll have more information on that coming to my website, jackvita.com. That'll be up soon. So we'll probably have a podcast episode coming out about that and other sports stuff, college basketball, beginning this week. Man, we got a great sports week coming up ahead If you toss in Sports Jeopardy on the eve of the start of the college basketball season, make sure you're subscribed. You will not want to miss out on any of this. Before we dive into our topics for today's show, I want to thank our sponsors, and those are our friends over at CBS All Access. Some new arrivals this week, including Rocket Power, Clarissa Explains It All, some of your Nick shows, I've mentioned this several times on this show, but again, guys, if you were like me and you grew up in the 90s or the 2000s and you Nickelodeon was just great, it was amazing, those shows are finding a home 
on CBS All Access. In addition to that, they've got a lot of other great stuff, a lot of CBS originals, and a lot of great reality shows. So if you're like me, you like reality TV, or you like the UEFA Champions League, the exclusive home for the Champions League, sign up at jackvita.com slash CBS. They just keep adding more and more stuff. There's new arrivals, it seems, every week. Rocket Power's on there. They got a bunch of other shows, such as The Amanda Show was another one they just added. And that's the classified school survival guide. It seems that Drake and Josh and Hey Arnold are going to be making their way over to CBS All Access pretty soon. So again, if you're like me, sign up, jackvita.com slash CBS. You go through my link or you click on one of the ad banners on my site. And this podcast will not only be funded, but you also get a one-week free trial. And uh, yeah, after that, $5.99 a month. It's great stuff. It's my favorite streaming platform. And I think you guys will enjoy it as well. We're also brought to you by Fanatics and the MLB Shop. If you're looking for apparel, whether it be caps, sweatshirts, t-shirts, pajama pants, who knows, shoes, you name it, winter coats face mask coverings, all that good stuff. You want to rep your favorite teams for college football, college basketball, NFL, NHL, NBA, baseball, go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. And if you want exclusively Major League Baseball stuff, and again, they have officially licensed jerseys and all kinds of stuff that the players wear. The winter hats that you see the NFL players wearing on the sidelines, you can find those on Fanatics. But if you want your baseball stuff, go to jackvita.com slash MLB shop. Once again, every single purchase made through that site supports this show to a degree. I get a little percentage of that. So I greatly appreciate all of you. I appreciate our podcast sponsors. And I know another thing I got real quick here. Recently, I've had some people saying, hey, you should set up a Patreon and at this time, I don't want to set up a Patreon. I don't think that any of my content should be exclusive. I, I'd like it to be available to everybody. I don't want people to have to pay extra for some of my content. Not at this time. Not right now. But I will say, if you would like to get a Jack Vita Show official sticker, I still have plenty of stickers. You can send me a message on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, you name it, and I will ship you stickers. It's $5, and you can get, you know, you get a few stickers, and you're welcome to tip me for that matter. And also, I've set up a little button on my website, jackvita.com, where you can donate to my content if you like what you see. And I don't care, really, I don't know. I, I don't like asking for money, but I put that donation button just because... Some people said, hey, I'd like to give you something because I like what you've been working on and you don't charge any money for it. It's all free. So, hey, do what you want with that. That's on my site whenever you... It's not in the mobile version, but it's on the desktop version. Okay, I've rambled on for far too long without getting into the thick of things. But hey, we had some important announcements there and some ad sponsors. The big news for today's show... And this was some news that broke on Tuesday. I actually was not expecting to be recording another episode this week, but this was something that I got a lot of text messages about. People were wanting me to weigh in on it. Theo Epstein, Cubs 
president of baseball operations for the last nine years, has stepped down. He has resigned. He will not be collecting any paychecks next season. The final year of his contract. It was really interesting to see the reaction to this thing. I didn't know what to expect, but I was a little surprised at how many responses I saw that, oh my gosh, the Cubs are doomed. This is awful. I actually think this is a really good thing for the Cubs. Here's why. I uh, I know it's it, maybe it sounds a little weird, but the Cubs, if you want to look at what the Cubs did over the last few years. So after 2017, 2017 was the last really good year they had. They went to the NLCS. Even that year, it was a little disappointing. It's not like they won the division by an overwhelming amount. And the division at the time, the NL Central, was kind of weak. There was no other team that made the playoffs that year. They won one game in the NLCS. And after that, I started to think, okay, this team needs some things. They need to replace Dexter Fowler. They need a leadoff guy. They're going to lose Jake Arrieta. They're going to need to replace that. And John Lackey. And you started to see at that point that they're losing things. And I thought at the time, based on this, again, going back to 2017... And obviously, I know a lot of people would not, maybe not have thought the same way that I did back then, but I thought you have a lot of guys like you have Ian Happ and you have Albert Almora Jr. and you have Kyle Schwarber and you have Jason Hayward. You can't play all these guys, but you could trade one of these guys or a couple of these guys because they're not going to have, you're not going to have a position for everybody. You could trade them, get some help in your bullpen, maybe acquire a, some uh, some talented prospects for the future because they're going to need to reload their pitching staff eventually. And again, they, they stood pat. They didn't really make any major waves. And I understood it at the time. 2018 rolls around. The Cubs got into that wild card game, lost to the Rockies. And at this point, this was two years ago, it seemed to me you got to make, and I know a lot of people were not on this same page, but you just look at the trend. You went from World Series to NLCS to now Wild Card Ground. This team's regressing. They didn't win the division that year. Something's got to give. You got to inject some life into this team, maybe make a couple of moves. And you also had this Addison Russell situation. There was just a lot going on with the team two years ago. And I just, at that point, the Cubs didn't do anything once again. Going into 2019, I had low expectations. I might not have even had them in the playoffs, and they didn't make the playoffs. So that that trend of just one year after another regression continuing, and now we're you go into 2020, and 2020, hey, they won the National League central but it was a 60 game season they got off to a hot start and then in the second half of that season they were having a lot of difficulties scoring runs these have been the same problems that this offense have had for years i mean going back to 17 there's a little bit of a concern but even in 17 their offense was fairly good but they've been losing pieces from their team not quite replacing them as well as they could 
And they have also made some trades that have put them in this position where they're a team that you just look at, hey, you know, yes, they won the division. Do I think they would have won it in a 162-game season? I don't. I think they're probably a 500 team this year, and they played their own division, and they got in. Like the Cardinals or maybe the Reds win the division in a normal season. They get into the playoffs, and they lose two games straight to the Marlins. Three straight years after three straight years without a playoff win. They haven't won a playoff game since 2017. And once again, going into last year, you kept hearing these things from Theo where he would come out and he'd say, he'd give a quote like, oh, the offense is broken. It's like, well, we'll fix it. You got to do something to fix it. But he didn't make any particular big moves. I think at a certain point, you had to see where this thing was going. And you had to, I'm not saying you got to totally rebuild the thing, but you got to retool a little bit. And you're not going to be able to sign all of these guys when they hit free agency in a year. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez. The four of those guys, all are free agents upon the end of next year. They're not going to be, and then Wilson Contreras is a free agent the following year. You're not going to be able to retain all those players And the longer you hang on to them, the lower their trade value is going. So I started to pick up on this thing last year. And I said, we'll see if they'll actually make one of these moves because they've been flirting around with the idea, but they're not actually pulling the trigger. Now, you don't trade guys just for the sake of trading them. You got to get something substantial back, especially if you're talking about trading a guy such as Chris Bryant or Javier Baez. But I started to piece this thing together and I figured out, well, you know what? Theo's contract is up at the same time as Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, and that entire core. So for Theo, he probably had in his head, and I picked up on this again last year, I started thinking, he's probably thinking, there's a good chance I'm out after 2020. I'm just done. I'll move on to the next thing. So why do I care what this team looks like after 2020. I want to go for it all these next few years and just kind of keep riding with it. I I understand it because he drafted those players and he's clearly high on them, believes in them, and you should believe in the guys that you draft. But you also have to be able to part ways. So my thing is I started to think if Theo was committed to being here past 2020, then he would be thinking about maybe trading some of these guys to start building towards that future. Now, as the Cubs stand, they're going into, again, they got one year left out of all those guys that I mentioned. And then Wilson Contreras, Albert Almora, and there are some others who are coming off the books a year later. So two years from now, you're going to have to make some moves because this team, as constructed, They've shown it year in and year out. They don't have the run support. They don't. They can't win in the playoffs. They haven't made the playoffs. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they haven't won a playoff game in three years. It's time for this team to start retooling a little bit. And when I say retooling, I don't think you have to trade all those guys. I think you could pick a couple that you say, hey, I want to keep that guy. I think Anthony Rizzo should be a Cub for life. I think Anthony Rizzo is a, an awesome ambassador, what it means to be a Chicago Cub. Has done so much great charitable work 
with cancer patients and children. He's an awesome story. He's proud of his team. I think he'd love to be here for his whole career. Fine. Sign Anthony Rizzo. But it's time to start making some moves here. And so the problem with Theo sticking around is that the Cubs can't afford to just lose those guys for nothing a year from now. And again, you can differ from me on how the Cubs should have approached this thing over the last few years. And you can also disagree with me on how I've viewed the organization and what they've done over the last few years. I personally think that the Cubs blew their shot at being a team like the Dodgers or the Astros that is in the World Series more than once and could potentially win more than one World Series. I think they made some trades that were geared for winning now, trading Glaber Torres, trading Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana, who didn't even pitch this year in the final year of his contract. You can disagree with me on all of that. Don't you agree with me now that the Cubs need to start reshaping this thing? Because do you really think if you leave this team as currently constructed without a major move that they can win a World Series this next year? Another year older, another year of regression. Now, maybe there's a little money to play around with. I know Lester's coming off the books, some other money that's going to show up, but it's time for the Cubs to start gearing up for the next five years. They don't have to, again, they don't have to do anything crazy, but it's time to start thinking about what's going to come after next year. And with Theo Epstein, there was no plan to get past next year. I think, again, I don't know. So maybe he was, maybe he was thinking he'd be here longer. Um, but I would think if he's, if he's tapping out early, that this was probably his intention for a while. So if you don't have Theo next year, then you have a new executive coming in with not a lot to play around with, but there's stuff that you can salvage now. Jed Hoyer is going to step into that role in baseball ops. And now I don't, again, we don't even know how much Jed has controlled over the last few years. Maybe he's been behind a lot of the decisions that have been made because technically he has been the general manager. But I think you got to have someone in that role that's looking in the big picture of things and not looking at just next year. So I actually think this is a good thing for the Cubs because it's not even about how good Theo is. It's not the Cubs didn't choose to let him go. Just the basic idea of you need to have someone who's look, thinking big picture and not as one-year rental. And Theo Epstein's legacy is going to go down as the best executive the Cubs have ever had, at least up to now. They won a World Series because he and his team executed a brilliant plan to build a winner. And it took a few years. They were so irrelevant when he came in at the end of the 2011 season. I remember just thinking before that happened, oh my gosh, the Cubs ever going to win one of these? And then he came in and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. And he hit on every major, pretty much, I mean, I shouldn't say every, but like 80% of the major acquisitions that were made and transactions, 
I mean, he was on fire. There are a few that, hey, you could look and say, maybe we shouldn't have traded DJ LeMayhew for Ian Stewart. There's some others. We won't get into those. But trading Andrew Kashner for Anthony Rizzo, you, you could go down the list. Trading Jeff Samarja for Addison Russell, you could, I mean, there are so many moves. Getting Jake Arietta for Scott Feldman, he was brilliant. Really just, <laughs> they arrived ahead of schedule. They won that World Series, and every Cubs fan is going to be forever grateful for that. But at the same time, we can't pretend that this front office has done a, an outstanding job over the last few years. Now, you Darvish, hey, they spent a lot of money on him. He was a Cy Young finalist this year. They're starting to get what they were expecting to out of Darvish. He was great this year. We'll see if he continues it. He's in his 30s. He's had Tommy John. And next year will probably be a 162-game season where there are fans in the stands. We'll see if he shows up the same way as he did this year. But as it's looking right now, that move, not a bad one. Jason Hayward, eh, not, not great. And you could go down the list of a number of decisions that were made that put the Cubs in this spot where they're at right now, or just a lack of moves, just standing pat. I think the thing is with executives, just like players, they can go through slumps and sometimes guys are past their prime. I'm not saying that Theo is past his prime, but maybe he needs a little bit of a refresher. Maybe he needs to go to a new challenge where he's going to have to go in and they got to radically change everything once again. But the Cubs have had some serious problems and they need to fix some stuff up moving into the future. They, they need to get a leadoff hitter and they need to just find some young pitching, some young talent overall. It'll be really interesting to see what will happen with Jed Hoyer, but I don't think that this is a day that Cubs fans should be sad. I actually think that this is a good thing for Cubs fans and sort of an exciting time to think about what the future could be. Now, obviously, you don't want to revert back to where the Cubs have been. Historically, this was a golden era of Cubs baseball, but we'll see. Hey, but while they won the World Series, it wasn't like front office dominance because, yes, they did a great job on those trades, and there were some good free agent signings as well, but front office has only drafted one all-star over the last nine years, and that's Chris Bryant. Nobody else they've drafted has made an all-star team. It's not like they've gotten a whole lot of their scouting department, for that matter. But, I mean, I think it's this is a good time. The Cubs kind of need something. They need some change. And I think it's time that they start looking and retooling and rebuilding and looking ahead at the future. So, we'll see, if, we'll see what Jed's got. Again, heck of a job by Theo. He'll be remembered very fondly here. We can't act like everything was perfect or that it was the greatest front office in baseball, but he did a good job, and he deserves credit for that. We don't have really any other baseball news yet. We're kind of waiting for those winter meetings in a couple of weeks, so hopefully we'll get some acceleration on the player movement front in a couple of weeks. That typically doesn't happen until December, sometimes January, and then a couple of years ago, it wasn't until February. Winter meetings will be taking place over Zoom. So I'm hoping that that still means that things happen fairly quickly. But 
we'll see. Be interesting to see how that happens. It's always fun when it's on a location and MLB network team is set up camp out there and they get a lot of great guests, but I'm sure they'll still find a way to make it fun and interesting college football. Okay. So I want to revise my Jim Harbaugh stance and I'm going to give large credit to Andrew stem who has been on this podcast several times and he's a, he's an awesome dude. He's a writer at the Omaha World Herald, and he's also a Michigan fan. So he listened to my last episode, and he the, here's the text that he sent me about Jim Harbaugh. And I think this is a very valuable perspective that we haven't really had a true blue Michigan fan come on this podcast recently in the midst of this eh, disappointing Michigan season. So Andrew texted me. If Harbaugh wants to leave, I completely understand that. But I don't think he should be let go after one bad year because of all the circumstances. I don't think any coach, other than Greg Marshall and Pat Chambers, since that was for different reasons, should be fired for results this year. Can't help who decided for health or draft reasons to opt out. Should Michigan be better? Yeah. The Wisconsin game was really disappointing. But, and I say this as someone who has rooted for them since I knew what fandom was, Michigan football fans have a very unrealistic sense of where the program is right now. They haven't really been relevant in 15 years, aside from 2006 and 2016. It feels like Notre Dame from 1995 to 2010 almost. And the last thing I want is to be a program that spits out coaches every five years. I think they should let them have another year And if next year is still not great, then think about other options. But to fire a coach in the middle of a pandemic when so many players opted out seems very short-sighted. So Andrew Stem flipped me back into the keep Harbaugh camp for all those reasons. I think you got to look at this season. It's very easy to feel like everything that's happening right now is the most important, most final thing ever. And we see this everywhere. We see it in our culture. We see it in politics. We see it on social media, especially. This is a weird year. And Michigan, while obviously the standard they want to be like Ohio State, they really haven't had too many years like that over the last 20 years where they have been in that category. I remember that 06 season when it was number one versus number two, Michigan versus Ohio State. And I believe that was also the year that the, yeah, that was the year that Ohio State won, went to the national title game. There was talk about potentially having a rematch, Michigan-Ohio State, in that BCS National Championship. It actually ended up being Tim Tebow, I think it was freshman year. Yeah, Tim Tebow's freshman year with Chris, oh gosh, Chris Leak? Was that his name? Chris Leak? I think it was. Yeah, Chris Leak. Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, they had that two-quarterback system, and they blew out Ohio State in the national title game that year. I yeah, Ted Ginn was on that team on Ohio State and Troy Smith, and that would have been the squad in 06 with Chad Henney, Michael Hart, and Mario Manningham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about all that. Oh, my gosh. Good memories. Michigan has been relevant. They've been interesting. 
pretty much every year that Harbaugh's been here. And hey, those rivalry games, all that stuff, not great. But let this thing play out. I'm I'm back in the keep Harbaugh camp, at least for now. Give it a little more time. A little more time. It is, again, it's the same thing as what we're looking at in baseball. Baseball was a 60-game season. It's hard to make decisions that are best for your organization moving forward based on just a 60-game limited resume. It was short. Now, this college football season, there are no non-conference games, so it's tough to gauge who's good, who isn't good. How good are these teams if they're only playing each other? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know how good the Big Ten is. We don't know how good the SEC is. We do not know. Give Jim another year. Give him some time. Let this thing play out. And, I mean, you're going to pay him $10 million next year regardless. So I would rather keep Jim Harbaugh at $10 million than pay $10 million for him to coach somewhere else. At least for him to not coach my team. Give it a little more time. I'm, I'm back in. Andrew persuaded me. I should not have reacted the way that I did after that Saturday game. But I guess it shows that I am willing to, while I am stubborn sometimes, I'm also willing to adjust my opinions as see fit. So we'll see what ends up happening with this Michigan season and where they go from here. We have, again, a couple of really great games coming up tomorrow, right at that 11 a.m. time, right after game day ends. It'll be Indiana at Ohio State. Ohio State favored by 20 and a half points, but I got a good feeling about this Indiana squad. I think it's going to be a close one. I will ultimately say Ohio State by one possession, but I I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I, I think this Indiana team with Michael Penix Jr. is legit, and I think it's going to be a really good game. We have our other great Big Ten matchup tomorrow at... 2.30 Central Time, and that one is Wisconsin at Northwestern. I already previewed these games um, earlier in the week, so you can hear me talk more about that in the last episode. But, guys, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. There is a possibility that we could get an Indiana-Northwestern Big Ten title game. Can you imagine that? It'd be a little bit like that Michigan State-Iowa game from a few years ago. That was back in 2015. But... Man, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I guess if you're a fan of Ohio State or you really want to see the top four teams, the very best schools and powerhouses in the country in the playoff, maybe you don't like that, but I I don't know. I just, I think it'd be cool. It's weird because when this playoff thing started, it felt like, who's going to get in? Is it going to be TCU? Is it going to be Baylor? Is it going to be, I mean, Oklahoma's been there several times. But TCU, Baylor, you know, Michigan State got in there that one year. Iowa was in the mix that year. And we've somehow kind of locked into Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Those three every year. And the fourth one, is it Oklahoma? Is it Notre Dame? I don't know. But I definitely think it would be beneficial for fans and for the NCAA to expand it. I want to see Liberty get a chance. I want to see Coastal Carolina get a chance. I want to see BYU. I want to see these schools playing for a chance. And maybe they get blown out. 
if this is a 16, it's crazy. I'm talking 16 team playoff. We need to get to eight playoff first, and that would not include too many of those mid majors. But it would be fun to have those matchups in the first round. It would be really cool. I want to see that someday. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, that's going to be your primetime game at 6.30 Central Time on ABC. That'll be a good one. You know, what's really interesting is they're adjusting the start times on these Pac-12 games due to the California lockdowns that are happening. They're enforcing curfews in major cities in California. I don't know if it's statewide. I'm not following it too closely, but... It's uh, it's going to be really interesting with the Pac-12 because now you can't have those games on quite as late if uh, you have curfew. Are the, are the police going to be forced to show up and tell everybody to go home after a certain time? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's pretty, uh, pretty wild, the world that we're living in. But I'm loving this football. It's great. And I know, look, I know a lot of people don't like these lockdowns and they don't like everything that's going on. I'll tell you what, it's easier for me to quarantine when there's great sports on than when there isn't. Back in March, when all this stuff just stopped, oh man, you remember how boring it was? Now it's like we actually have stuff to watch. Saturdays and Sundays are just the absolute best. In terms of NFL, I got to give some credit to the Seahawks last night bouncing back after losing three of their last four. They win a game at home over the Red Hot Arizona Cardinals. I still like the Cardinals to come out of this division as a division champ, but hey, it's tight. It's interesting. You got a good three-team race with Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams. Not too many big games on this weekend. I mean, look, here, I'll give you, give you, these are your games. Eagles, Browns, eh. Falcons, Saints, eh. Bengals, uh, Redskins, eh. Lions Panthers, if you're really into Wildcats, uh, that's a that's a game. You could go to the zoo and see the Lions and the Panthers. Steelers Jags, it, that's gonna be ten and a half points on that game. I'd stay away from that if I was a gambler, which I am not. But ten and a half, I mean the Jaguars have played, they've been competitive in these games, so I don't know what to expect, but the Steelers also just blew out the Bengals, so maybe they what happens there, but that's not a great matchup either. Steelers should get to 10 and 0. Here's a good one. Titans and Ravens, both teams at 6 and 3. As it stands right now, there's six teams in the AFC that stand at 6 and 3. Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, and Titans. Man, how how Browns-ish would that be? if they once again won 10 games and missed the playoffs. It's a possibility. I mean, these playoffs, there are seven teams making the playoffs now, which I don't love. The former model six teams was perfect. I don't really know why they had to adjust it. There's a chance that there's no longer a first-round bye if they have games to make up. I guess they talked about this a week ago, that they might have eight teams in the playoffs, which is way too many. I don't like that at all. I don't think they should do that in any sport. You do not want to become like the NBA, my friends. Right now, if you have an eight-team playoff, the Titans are the team on the outside looking in. If there's seven, then the Browns and the Titans would be out. So this is a must-win game, not only record-wise, but also head-to-head. Because these head-to-head matchups are going to determine 
who gets into the playoffs if there are ties. So Titans and Ravens, this is a must win for both teams. The Titans, again, had been sliding lately. And they were sitting pretty at 5-0, and and now they're 6-3. and So lost three out of their last four. The Ravens, on the other hand, their team that we've been talking about, we want to see them win these big games in order to take them seriously. And so I think they, obviously, they got a lot to, both teams, in addition to the record, they have a lot to prove here. It's a big game for both teams. Dolphins, Broncos, man, Dolphins are going to get to 7-3. and three. It looks like I, I have no confidence in that Denver team. Patriots and Texans. Oh, gosh. So There's some truly terrible matchups this week. Jets, Chargers. Eh, that could determine. That's a game the Jets could potentially win. I mean, the, the Chargers are 2-7. and seven. They're favored by 9.5 points. Jets are 0-9. They have to win a game unless they're really taking hardcore for Tua, but this could be the type of game that you look at. Oh my gosh. Why did we win that game? It, it kept us from getting Trevor. Oh, I said, thank you for Tua. I'm sorry. I'm just, I've been really high on Tua and the dolphins lately, but yeah, tanking for Trevor. They want to get Trevor Lawrence. They're going to need to, this is a game that you can't win. I would say, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Frank Gore is still playing. How is he still playing? Packers and the Colts, that should be a good one, 325. My buddy Nate Smith is going to that game. I Shout out to Nate. I hope he's listening right now, but Nate is going to that game. That should be a really good one in Indianapolis. 7-2 Packers, 6-3 Colts. Cowboys and the Vikings at 325 Central Time. This is a chance for the Vikings now to come back. They start out 1-5. They win this game. They've won four in a row, and they're sitting back at 500, five and five. So I don't know. You can't count out the Vikings. As it stands right now, the Vikings are a game and a half out from of the seven spot, which is possessed by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the NFC playoff picture is tough because you have seven and two Packers Saints, Seven and three Seahawks, three and five Eagles. Oh my gosh, three five and one. Oh my gosh, they should forfeit. If you do not finish above five hundred, I think you should forfeit your playoff spot, and someone else should get it, or you don't have anyone in the playoffs. That's ridiculous. Three five and one, and especially when oh my, that division is just so bad. It is so bad. <laughs> Bucks seven and three, Rams six and three, Cardinals six and four, Bears five and five, Vikings four and five. Lions have a chance too to get into these playoffs. I mean, the Lions this week playing the Panthers. So NFC North is for as bad as the NFC East is. It's like we have some really unbalanced divisions. The NFC East is garbage. The NFC North is pretty solid, and the NFC West is really good. Cowboys-Vikings. I like the Vikings. I think they're going to keep going this thing going. Chiefs-Raiders, Sunday night game. That should be a really good one. The Raiders won the matchup between the two teams earlier in the season, but this one is in Vegas. Chiefs favored by eight points. I have to like the Chiefs in this game, but... I mean, this is another chance the Raiders here can show that they're legit. And where are all the John Gruden 
doubters and critics and haters. I mean, really, they've been quite silent over the last couple of years. They pounced that one year. If they trade Khalil Mack, had to rebuild a little bit, but they've been they've been uh, pretty silent lately. John Gruden's doing a good job. Finally, your Monday night game, Rams and the Buccaneers. That'll be a good one. Six and three Rams, seven and three Bucks. Game that's going to factor into the playoff picture. That game will be in Tampa. And the Bucks, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, they lost badly to the Saints. I think that was two weeks ago. Yeah, that was two weeks ago because that was before uh, Drew Brees got injured. And by the way, Jameis starting this week against the Falcons. Be interesting to see what happens there. I got. I like Jameis. I think he's good. He's got a good arm. We'll see what he looks like after that uh, LASIK eye surgery too. But Rams and the Bucks. Uh, I'm gonna lean Bucks on this one. But yeah, I guess I didn't give too many. I wasn't planning on picking all these games. But while we're here, let's just do it real quick. All right. Eagles and Browns. Oh gosh, I don't really like either of those teams. I guess I'll go Browns. They're at home. But that that game could go any which way. Saints, Falcons, I like the Saints. Bengals, Redskins, I like the Bengals with Joe Burrow. Uh, Lions over the Panthers. And finally, oh yeah, Packers, Colts. I will go, hmm, I'm going to go Colts. I don't, I'm not big on either team to tell the truth. Like I think, I think they're both good teams, but they both are flawed. And the Colts, I don't like the, I don't love Philip Rivers at this point in his career. I just don't. Not a big believer in that. But I do like their defense a lot. I think this could be a low-scoring game. In a low-scoring game, I will favor Indianapolis's defense over Green Bay's. Those are your picks for the week. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed this episode of the Jack Vita Show, let me know. And I can do more of these Friday pick type games or episodes where I preview the games for the week. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is a lot of fun to get this one in before the weekend. I'll have this episode out as soon as possible for your weekend enjoyment. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Guys, log on to my website, jackvita.com while you're at it. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow me, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram, youtube.com slash jackvita. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. You're not going to want to miss out on Sports Jeopardy or my episode with Nathan Rice. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following along. You got a lot of good stuff coming up. I'm so excited to share all of that with you, the audience. Thank you, as always, for the support. Thank you for listening. Great episodes coming up. You're not going to want to miss them. And until then, take care of yourselves. I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>